should wait to come out, that you should uh, try to gain rank or status before you do that. That's a bunch of bull It's a new day in the music industry, and I can reach my fans. We're getting there. I've caused harm to the political agenda, and which I'm actually happy for. I would say probably the best message to them is that they're on the wrong side of history. Whether you're lesbian, gay, bi, transgender, or whatever, Love is love. Shout it out to the world. The Michelle Miao Show. Your A through Z covering the LGBT, LMNOP, and everyone in between show. And now here's your host, Michelle Miao. Thanks so much for joining us on this, uh, in, you know, interesting. I'm going to say interesting hump day. It's Wednesday, and I'm just feeling... I'm feeling definitely uh, like I want to get over this hump. I want to get over (laughs) into the weekend. And so speaking of the weekend, I'm sure you noticed last week that we debuted It's Everything with B.B. Sweetbriar. I think it's only fair that uh, we put B.B. on the hot seat. B.B., welcome. And it is a very, very hot seat. Hello, (laughs) Michelle. Great to be here. So neat to speak with you as always. I love speaking with you. Yeah, likewise. I could spend hours with you. I just, I have so much fun with you. Um, You know, so I am so thrilled to have It's Everything with B.B. Sweetbriar uh, on the Michelle Meow Show Sundays at noon. noon. I think it's it's very fitting for the weekend. You have great guests all the time. I hope so. You know, that's always been one of my, um, I, I, there are a lot of things that uh, hosts do for shows, and um, many of those things I don't do those. But um, one thing that I I like to do is just talk to people, and, and hopefully through speaking with the guests that we get a lot of information that people can take away with them, either knowing more about something that they already knew something about or finding out something totally new that they had no idea about. So Yeah. Well, let's, um, before we talk about, you know, the production of the show and just kind of what people can anticipate weekly from you, let's get to know BB. I mean, who is BB Sweetbriar? Oh, nobody of any note at all. I don't know how I got on a show. I know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, um, I've I've been in San Francisco 20 years now, and um, I've been involved with media on some level, whether it be from uh, written columnist, uh, that type of thing, and my own podcast uh, previously, also produced by uh, one of your production companies. Mm-hmm. I did a, um, a internet TV show as well for the last at least eight years. So um, I, I think I come to uh, the public with a little bit of background in um, what it's like to get news out to the world or fun stuff out to the world. But I'm an entertainer. I'm a singer. I'm an actress. I'm a, I'm, I'm a lot of things. I'm a drag queen. I'm there a, you go. You know, um, I was going to say to our listeners who don't live in the San Francisco Bay area, if you ever get a chance to come out to San Francisco, you've got to check out, you know, one of BB's shows. Um, or I host a ton of parties. And you host um, parties. Um, a ton of them throughout the month. So I don't even know how I have time to breathe, but I, I find the time to do it. So we know that, you know, your following will also follow us here Sundays at noon to tune into your program. And they know BB Sweetbriar in a, in a different way, but uh, putting you on the hot seat now, I mean, what don't we know about BB for, for us big fans of BB? Wow. You know, that's kind of a, a difficult question because I, I think I'm a, a pretty transparent in, in um, 
I, I try to put everything out there about me because really there's not much, you know, a lot of people do drag their character that they actually um, make or present to the world is somewhat different than who they kind of present their alter ego, their, their self as. And I don't think that's true with me. I think, um, you know, BB is an expression of who I am for sure. Uh, and maybe a little bit different only because of the way I appear, but I think for who I am as a person and, uh, the fodder that I might put out there is definitely the same with me when I don't have all the wigs and makeup and heels and beautiful attire on. So um, I don't think there's much out there that people don't know about me, except for maybe this. And um, a lot of people don't know that I'm a college graduate and um, that I actually have a degree in marketing and business. And, and so um, I, I think I come into what I do from a different standpoint is that there is a purpose to it. Um, and I, even though I fell into drag, I have been able to make it be a part of what I really want to say and the world and what mark I want to leave on the world. And there's purpose to that. I definitely agree with you that, uh, you know, when you're in drag and out of drag, I mean, your drag personality is pretty mellow or, you know, can be. And I, I just don't think that you, um, you know, it's not like you're so different from the two, mm -hmm. but I, I can see the differences as well. When showbiz is showbiz. Showbiz is showbiz. <laughs> uh, right. Um, what I, what I wanted to ask, you said you fell into drag. So, you know, what does that mean? I mean, Leslie Jordan, you, uh, you know, one of the incredible gay actors out there. I remember. Spoke he, to him as well. Know him well. Yeah. So, you know, he said when people ask him about his coming out story, I mean, he said he came out in the womb and straightened to heels. And so I wonder if you just, I don't know, fell no, into the heels. Not really. I mean, uh, the true story is um, my character, well, BB was born in church. So I born, birth was involved. Birth was involved. <laughs> but I was born in church, uh, the church I attend, um, St. Aidan's here. It's an Episcopalian church in San Francisco. Annually does a musical production for a major fundraiser for our congregation. And um we did a musical nine years ago. It'll be nine years, I think, coming up here. And they wanted to write in a drag character into this production. The, the musicals is, is uh, we write a, a real show. It's not something we pull out like, you know, West Side Story or something. It's something we make up, the music we choose and all that. And, of course, you know, looking around the room, nobody kind of wanted to do that. So I just kind of raised my hand. I had never done drag before. And um, decided to do it. And from that, it just kind of all, you know, they said the rest is history. My name came from that. But I did choose my name um, from the old porn star way of doing things. BB is the name of, you're supposed to choose your first animal you can remember having the pet and name it and what was the name. And then the first street you can remember living on. Most of the time people can re at least know the street they were born or where they lived when they were born. But the first street I remember living on with street sweet briar way and um my dog's name was bb so that's how we got my name bb <laughs> sweet briar thank you for reminding me of the porn star yeah. name and the, how you derived well that, that and that came from a show i had just when we came up with this they said we need a character name i had just watched the episode on will and grace that had uh -huh. that on there yeah and it, so it was just kind of to me it was kind of kismet it was supposed to happen it was supposed to watch the show i was supposed to be asked that next week about the thing everything kind of happened the way it was supposed to so. i guess mine would be edie pawnee 
That's not a bad name, Edie. I love I I love that word, Edie. I love that name, Edie. I think I always think of Edie. There was a, a singer, um, was it Edie? Not gourmet, but Edie. She sang like with her. I think her husband sang with Steve Lawrence. Steve and Edie were their names on like the. <laughs> you know, they were like the Lawrence Walt type of people. But yeah. I still love that name. Yeah. Um. Well, that's great. I mean, it's so incredible. So, in talking about the show, uh, your show. You know, that will air this uh, all Sundays, every Sunday at uh, 12 or noon. Kind of tell us about, you know, the topics or things that you'll cover. Well, the things that I like to try and do is stay current, um, even though there's a lot of issues out there or a lot of things that are uh, continue to be, you know, in the news, but may have happened many, many moons ago. Um, but I, I try and in, pick topics that, that we want to talk about or at least have a debate about um, the first segment that I will hopefully open with every time will be called the debate. And I'll just pose a question out to the audience and give you an opportunity to respond via email so that I can read back at another time. But, you know, just a debate question on something that's going on that's relevant to today. Mm-hmm. And then I like to just share our, our world of um, either um, I, I want to say gay celebritism, but people who are, Somewhat have something good to say that may be gay, but at least are gay friendly and are definitely have our gay community in mind whenever they're doing their work and doing what they do and and speaking with them about that. And we will talk about topics that deal with music as well as politics, as well as criminal and we'll we'll talk about it all. But I'll bring people who I believe are, you know, represent those out there, those in the public, and and speak from a, a place of knowledge, a place of either because they participated in it or they have definitely done their homework and are a voice of expertise in it. It's everything with B.B. Sweetbriar. It's a little bit of everything. It is everything. But obviously, you know, um, our show here, the Michelle Miao Show and Progressive Voices, we're probably the only program that is LGBTQI inclusive. And so, you know, kind of, if you will, you're still in the hot seat. <laughs> oh Lord, have mercy. talk about yeah. I mean, you said you lived here in San Francisco mm-hmm. for twenty years, but maybe was there a coming out process? Was there a well? Uh, wow, that is like one of those things that um, yeah, coming out process. Yes, um, I was married at the time, um, father of two, and um, came to the realization of who I really am really primarily based because I was unhappy and I really didn't understand for a very long time of why I was unhappy because I was in, I was in an environment that was happy induced. I mean, I was happily married. I had two gorgeous daughters uh, at the time, one and five that you would think had a great job. Um, wonderful parents, you know, all those things, you know, supportive, everything that you would think I would be in a very, happy environment that I would be happy, but I was miserable. And once I nailed down why I wasn't miserable, um, you know, then it was became another process of how do I change this? And my coming out process was basically getting out of my marriage, but in a way that um, was based on me, based on not trying to tell anybody else that this was a you issue, that you did something wrong, but whether there was nothing you could do to fix this, I have to fix it. And, and that's just being who I am because I can't, you can't make anybody happy if you're a part of a unit 
if you're not happy. You can't make the unit happy. You can't be a part of the happiness ever after if you're not happy. So um, that was kind of how I, you know, did all that. And I think really if I would have, you know, I came out, um, I, I'm a child born uh, director of high school in the 80s, 1980. And so a lot of things were happening with the, the gay movement and, you know, AIDS was just, mm-hmm. you know, you know, showing its ugly head that I think kind of made me step away from realizing who I was. I think I was my, my worst enemy in the whole process. And then it made me kind of look into the things in the media on, on how I thought that people would react when I said the news. So had I known the things that I know now, as far as how I would be supported and how I would continue to be loved, I probably would have made a decision differently. But then again, everything happens for a reason and I would not have two gorgeous daughters Mm-hmm. Had I been someone different, back that is then. so awesome. So you're happy today. I'm extremely happy. Don't I look happy? <laughs> you look really okay. happy. You I'm always look happy, especially with all your wigs and, and all that and the makeup. And, ah. and I mean, you can't be an angry drag queen, or can you? Well, that's why you wear makeup because you can paint a face. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're gonna take a quick break right uh, right here. But you know, when we come back, I want to ask some deeper questions okay. uh you know just some things that we might not know about you okay. and uh, also bring up a, a you know the my name is campaign that just you're that. very very involved in so okay. don't go away the michelle meow show continues right after this thanks for listening to the progressive voices network streaming the best in progressive talk 24 7 keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community each week we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the progressive voices network and throughout the progressive world be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening, and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. The Commonwealth Club is a unique organization that brings together people from a variety of backgrounds to explore important issues as a community. Sooner or later, everyone worth hearing comes to our stage. From Marga Gomez to Richard Chamberlain, from James Hormel to Kate Kendall, leading thinkers, activists, politicians, and artists have come to the Commonwealth Club of California. Ted Olson and David Boyes came here to discuss their winning legal strategy for same-sex marriage. Jason Collins talked about gay athletes. The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence discussed activism and good works. Actor and director Rob Reiner explained how he got Hollywood behind same-sex marriage. Barney Frank described what it's like to be gay at the highest levels of Washington. From healthcare reform to transgender rights, from immigration to gay-owned businesses, it's all at the Commonwealth Club. And that's still just a portion of the 450 programs we present every single year, with new programming nearly every single day. Be a part of the conversation. Learn more at CommonwealthClub.org, download our free app in iTunes, and join us in person the next time you're in San Francisco. The Commonwealth Club of California puts you face-to-face with today's thought leaders. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. Welcome back. This hump day. Ugh, I can't wait for this day to be over. Isn't hump day supposed to be enjoyable? I think oh, so. that's, <laughs> that's kind of That's, I know, that's my dirty mind. My dirty happen. mind. Okay, so, uh, you know, I always like to do this with our guests. Um, or, you know, if anybody's new that's involved in the program, I've done it with Fong, I've done it with Jax, I've done it with Dennis. 
Um, so you know, I'll ask you some questions. Go Ketchup ahead. or mustard? Mustard. Heels or flats? Heels. Boxers or briefs? Briefs. Paula Abdul. <laughs> I heard he got a fix. Paula Abdul or Janet Jackson? Janet Jackson. Okay. <laughs> it could have been any name, honey. It, it would have not mattered. <laughs> uh, Backstreet Boys or NSYNC? Um, NSYNC. Because Justin Timberlake? Uh, kind of. <laughs> Come on, do you have to ask that question? Right, 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 right. Okay. Um. Uh, okay. How about how about how about how about now? Now, I mean, you answer these questions so well. You're so because I'm I'm definitive. I have no gray area there on any of these questions. These are total like I got these. Go ahead. Come all right. on. All right. All right. Um. Have you ever? Have you ever? Now I'm just shy. No, I don't yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not. I'm All not right. making you okay. shy. All right. Have you have you ever made out, uh, it, you know, in public, maybe in, on this it, somewhere around in the Castro? Like, I. You know what? This is this, and I don't even know, know if I should share this because it involves somebody else that we will get a laugh out of. But I have only done that once. I've only made out with somebody once in public. And it happened a long time ago, and it involves a current drag queen oh. in the city, a prominent current drag oh. queen, that back in the day when we first met each other, we attempted on a very short note, I think we may have went on two dates at that, and um, I initiated um, a, a little makeout on a goodbye on the corner of Castro and Market. Okay. All right. So was yes, it daytime I have done or nighttime? that. It was kind of e early. It was still the sun was out, but it was evening. It was okay. evening. All right. I think it, the sun was still partially out. Yeah, if I can recall. But it was it was at least ten years, nine, ten years ago, I guess. Oh, well, now I'm there. curious to know. Who I don't. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. I don't know <laughs> if it's um. Oh uh, uh, well, uh, well, she she, uh, she won't care. So this actually happened with um uh Poyo Del Mar. Oh. Uh, whom I met, yeah. good looking. Boy, oh, I mean, as a as a guy, yeah. hot, yeah. Right. So I, I I think I have extremely good taste. So, um, people may question hers, but <laughs> after Sweet. after knowing, but uh, but um, yeah. So that was back in we were both, you know, our none of neither one of us were doing drag at that time, or I was going to say inclination of doing drag at that two, time. Two drag queens making out in the corner. It's called it's called Castro. Kai Kai, Kai when Kai. you do that. What, what's you, it called? Kai Kai, when you like Kiki, but pronounced Kai Kai. Um, yeah, that's what they call it when two drag queens are, you know, either boyfriends or together or something. So when you're in drag, um, what do you do when you have an itch? Down there. Are you speaking? Are you speaking in a in a very specific area? Or um, I this is something, and I don't know if it's a mental thing or not. But once I am tucked in all the right places and put, I have no. I don't pee. I don't do anything. And it's not like I have to go pee. And I no. I just don't. It just nothing happens in that area. It just becomes a numb area of nothing. So then do you not, like, drink or? No, I drink a lot. You, has she not seen me in a club, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, she goes, do I not, has she not seen, has she not seen me ever? I, I don't stop doing anything I normally would do. Um, 
I drink like a fish, and um, but I'm responsible, ladies and gentlemen. I don't drive, um, and I um, I have no problems with that. Now, getting home might be a different story. Once I get through that door to my apartment, it's run to the nearest. Yeah, I've ripped a few hoses trying to get them off. So, what's the uh, last question for you, and then we'll move on to your important political work. Um, your ideal date. Whoa. That's a tough one because, number one, I haven't been on one in a very long time for all you men out there. Um, my ideal date really is based upon, uh, you know, so many times we go on dates and they, they, you're not in an environment where you really get to learn anything about the person you're with. You know, people to go to the movies and, you know, public dinner places. And it's like that is like the worst thing to do on a, on a date, I think, if you're trying to get to know people. So I like to go places that are a, a lot more private. And um, alone time where we can just speak freely and be silly and learn stuff about each other. And, and, the, and when I have had those dates, the time flies so fast. Like I've gone on dates where it started at eight and they ended at three o'clock in the morning. And we've been in only one location, just chatting and talking and getting things out that we need to know about each other before you figure out, is this somebody I want to explore more, you know? Mm. And those are dates that I like. Those other things that, to me come later when you're dating. I think the first few dates need to be a little bit more private and a little bit more isolated. Well, thank you so much for playing this this game. I thought I was going to trip you up, but I got tripped up. I didn't want to. I, I was oh. like, oh, but now I don't want to. she's talking to someone TV. who's like done game shows and <laughs> actually led them. I could probably have guessed the questions <laughs> you were going to ask me. BB's like, just just stick. Stick to the Rachel Maddow thing that you do. Um, <laughs> all right. So, you know, before we end the show, though, I do want to bring up that not only are you an incredible entertainer, a fascinating drag queen, and just one of the nicest people that there is out there in our community, you're involved in a campaign, the My Name Is campaign, mm-hmm. which uh, a lot of the people outside of San Francisco know, that, you know, because of uh, the headlines that uh, you know, Sister Roma had started this campaign in response to Facebook's very... Um, I, I should say, you know, hurtful fake name reporting tool that has bullied our community. Uh, and so tell us why you're involved. Well, I also, too, um, was a uh, victim, I'm going to call it as it is, a uh, victim of the, of the policy um, shortly after um, Sister Roma's name was, uh, was asked to be taken off or it was taken off. And how most of us found out is because we went on Facebook and there was her, you know, her birth name uh, it's like who in the hell? I know her birth name but um people didn't know who that was and um and then it all came out what was going on and then literally two days later my name was also um attacked and and that's how I came um involved with it and to be honest with you the process in which they meaning Facebook um has the tools then were a lot different than the tools now that you can use to um actually show that that name is somehow authentically yours. Now they use the word authentic in Facebook a lot differently than I think we do. Authentic to me doesn't have a sense of being something you need to prove. If I tell you my name is and I act under that name, that's my authentic name. There's no proof needed other than it came out of my mouth when I introduced myself to you. Um, and that's all that, but they have this process. I actually could have done that here's my stuff 
give me back my name. But the policy is so unfair, and it's not only unfair to a large uh, or a, a disproportional amount of people in the gay community, it is unfair to a lot of different people in the mass community of mm-hmm. this world, not even of this country, it's of this world. There are so many impacted. And I think, you know, when we started, when Roma spearheaded putting together My Name Is campaign, which was primarily made of drag queens here in San Francisco, as we got together to talk about how we were going to get our names back, that's really, it wasn't even, it wasn't even thought of initially as this global issue. Um, but that discussion made it that it became like, my God, well, what about these people? And what about, and, and I'm this too. And so I couldn't, so it just became that on a short amount of time. And, um, you know, once that got out into the world and everyone started chiming in, we just thought, this is a lot bigger than we thought it ever was going to be. And there's so many people impacted by this policy. And, um, you know, hopefully now we've got, you know, at least, you know, a country, Germany is now requiring Facebook to allow people to use their authentic names as they claim it to be. And that, you know, that their requests for documentation violate their law. Right. So I think it's only a matter of time, hopefully, that um, here and in other places in in the world will jump and follow suit and require them to do that. Absolutely. You know, the Internet is such a it should be a free open space. I mean, I can understand if you need a badge, you know, with your your name, your authentic name to get into the Social Security administration building, you know, or or something like that. Or the court or something. Yeah. (laughs) But, But you know what's even funny is that they are a major owner of Instagram. Mm-hmm. Facebook owns Instagram. I could put anything I want to on it. I, not only can I put any name on it, honey, you should see some of the photos that I get on that show. Right. But um but it's like, so how can you have a policy on one of your companies and not have that same policy on another one? That doesn't make sense well, to me. It 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 uh probably has something to do with the business model. It does um, have something to yeah, do with the business model, so, I'm sure. Right. You know, I'm sure. Well, good luck with, you know, my name is, and thank you for sticking up for a lot of us who are impacted by that very hurtful pool. Hopefully, you know, some change will come, but we absolutely can't quit. Well, and we're not. That's one thing I can tell you now. Uh, the core people that have been involved with this group will, will be there until we all are able to do, put the name we want to represent ourselves on Facebook. Right. Exactly. Well, you know, thank you, BB Sweetbriar, the fabulous you, so and you know, just an incredible human being, like I said. Oh, stop. Both on the air and off the air. So make sure you tune in to BB's show every Sunday at noon. It's Pacific everything time. with BB Sweetbriar. That's right, Pacific Standard Time. Right, y'all, you to, New Yorkers, I know right. you're gonna be on the on the on there, honey. I know I you are. Yeah, yeah. After brunch, and you're a little buzz. That's just right. Turn on That's some a BB perfect time to be right? listening to. Me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and if you ever miss it, it's up on our uh, it's up on our podcast. So just head to michellemeow.com, click on podcast, find out the different ways that you can get the show. Yeah, tons of ways. If you miss it, so BB. We'll, we'll see you Sunday. Okay. Ciao, y'all. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? (laughs) Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side. As a unified team of the best fertility specialists, guided by the highest ethical standards, Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. Weatherford BMW is where I spend a lot of my time. I love what I do and I love the people I work with, but work's not the only thing I love. I love the everyday simple things in life, like mornings at my favorite coffee shop, taking walks with my dogs around Point Isabel, and spoiling my partner for a scenic but thrilling ride. That's the beauty of living the Bay Area dream. We're just being ourselves, living our authentic life. Live your authentic life, a special message by Weatherford BMW. Our guest today on the phone is Neil Broverman. He's the executive editor of The Advocate and also a contributing editor to Plus Magazine. And he's here with us today to talk about a wake-up call for him personally, but also I think a, a, a conversation that we should have ongoing when it comes to the HIV AIDS community. It's so easy to think that everything's gotten better, that you, you're almost desensitized to uh, the disease and how it affects our community, especially with, you know, PrEP and and uh, reports coming out that it absolutely is effective when talking about non-infected individuals and their, uh, you know, probability of being infected. And so I'd like to welcome Neil to the show. Neil, welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, we had the chance to read your article that you posted up at HIVPlusMag.com or Plus Magazine, I should say, in which... Um, you speak openly about about a wake-up call. Tell us about it. Yeah, it just involved uh, some friends uh, that I have that have HIV, and their stories are a, a lot more dramatic than you usually hear, which are uh, what you hear about HIV now seems like it's just manageable. It's just something you deal with. It's, it's not really... Uh, it doesn't really affect your life. And these stories that I saw and that personally uh, reminded me that it is still very much uh, an, an issue and something that we have to work to prevent and hopefully cure one day. Uh, two friends of mine, um, one passed away, Brad Crelia, and he had other diseases aside from, from HIV and um, it was a hereditary disease that he was fighting and HIV was, was sort of um, another, another one of his battles. Um, but he he started a, a site called Hipster, and I interviewed him a few years ago when he started the site. And he was just a sweet guy, an ambitious guy. He did a lot for the HIV cause, and um, he sadly passed away. Um, I, I believe it was it was mostly from the hereditary disease, but um, he was obviously affected by HIV and. It, it was just a, it was a crushing blow to a lot of his friends in the Seattle community where he's from, and uh, so that happened. And my friend Michael Matson, who I used to work with at the Advocate, 
he has HIV, he's had it since the early 90s, and has just, it's been debilitating since then. You know, he, he contracted HIV before the cocktail was a modern, was, it was a common thing, the drug cocktail, and, and uh, his, he luckily lived with the disease long enough to, to have the cocktail, but his health still suffered from it. The drugs um, affected his system, and he found himself in the past few years unable to work, and he had to go to Kickstarter to help fund his, um, sorry, that's my email. Uh, he had to go to Kickstarter to help fund his, his life and his rent and just his living expenses. And, uh, you know, I think when I heard those stories, it just, it was a wake-up call that, that HIV is serious and it's something that we need to pay attention to. And especially in communities like, um, you know, African-American gay and, and bisexual men, transgender women, um, it's still a very, very serious thing. I wanted to bring this up, and you mentioned your friend Brad. Um, when he passed away, he was fairly young. I think that a lot of us in the LGBTQI community and also, um, yeah, extended communities, when we think about HIV-AIDS, uh, we kind of go back in time and, and, and think about the faces that we've read or that we've seen in the media who had passed away, and they seem to be a little older. Um, it, you know, Brad was only 29, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. He was a young man. And um, just very vibrant. Um, he just, he not only wanted to do so much, he did so much um, in, his, in his short life. So it was especially galling to people who knew him that such a bright light was extinguished. Um, so I know I wasn't the only one that was really kind of taken aback when they heard of his passing. And I want to bring that up. I mean, I almost feel like in, in some parts of our community or some minds, uh, especially younger minds, it, it's like we have this fearless attitude. Um, and, and some of us might not have that fearless attitude, but we have this attitude of, you know, because medicine has advanced so far and we've got the uh, cocktails of drugs and whatnot and people are living longer with HIV, um, that, you know, it's it's uh, it's evident that uh, or it's a, uh, you know, at least at one point in our life, we, we may come across that as especially a conversation that happens a lot in the gay male space. I just wanted to see what your thoughts were on that. Well, I think from my experience, when I was growing up, I'm in my 30s and there was a, a major fear that I had uh, once I started realizing that I was gay it was just synonymous, gay and AIDS. So I felt like it was, before I could even understand how you contracted it, I felt like I was going to get it. And then when I started understanding how you could get it, and, and this was, the internet was just sort of catching on. We didn't have it at home. So I really had no resource to find out how you actually did get it. And, and those aren't questions that you're going to ask your parents. So... It just was, when I started coming out, when I started having boyfriends, it, there still was a real dearth of knowledge about it, and there was just fear. So, you know, something, you know, I could do something with a guy that really wouldn't have put me at risk, but I would be just panicked that I that I contracted it. And then you'd have to go to a test, get a test, and you'd wait two weeks. I mean, it was just, it was just really terrifying. And thankfully, the young people, the young LGBT people of today don't have to deal with some of the things we did. But I, but, 
you know, I think some of that fear changed my behavior and made me much more cognizant. I, I don't think we need to be panicked, but I think we need to be aware and change our behavior in certain ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's sort of there's a happy medium, I think, between knowledge and panic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're a member of the media, and uh, you know, and, and in studying and reading stories on the media and LGBT media, when we talk about HIV/AIDS stories, I mean, there seemed to you know we had this turn um, in in covering these stories, and where we wanted to talk about positive stories, which is great, which is okay, because we wanted to provide support for our community in that way. Um, but along along those lines, we saw a decrease in kind of the realistic stories um, like you have just posted here uh, on Plus Magazine in kind of the, the the negative side of it, the scary side of it, and that, you know, the disease still impacts us and our health in a, in a very scary way. Um, you know, in, in a couple cases here with, with Michael, uh, and his spine and, and not being able to walk. I mean, these are all things it may not be, it may not affect one person, but it could the other. Right? Do you think that we should have a balance of both, you know, real stories like this and, and empowering stories, positive stories? I think so. I mean, I don't, I, I we don't necessarily want to frighten young people or not just young people, any, any, any LGBT person, but we want to just remind them that there are repercussions to having HIV. Um, obviously, the medication is a godsend, and, and, you know, thank God we have it, but it does take a toll on the body. And if you're not in absolute 100% health, uh, HIV can exacerbate a lot of other problems. And I think it's good to remind people that um, sometimes it's not, you know, you know, PrEP is a good thing if, if you are at risk of contracting it. It's still very important to use condoms. Um, it's, it's, you always have to know the status of your partner. There's, we have to remind people that, that it's not just, <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't have any effect on your life. It does have an effect on, on, on your life. And I think when you tell these personal stories like that of Brad and Michael, it, it's much more affecting uh, rather than just saying, be careful, you know, you're, something bad will happen if you're, not, if you're not careful. I think if you tell these people's stories, personal stories, then it kind of resonates a bit more. So I think it is important to, to share stories like this. You mentioned prep, and uh, we're going to take a quick break here. But when we come back, can I can I probe a little bit more on what your thoughts are regarding prep and how that might affect, I guess, our sexual behavior within the LGBTQ community? Certainly. Don't go away. The Michelle Miao Show continues right after this. Thanks for listening to the Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on by joining our community. Each week, we send out an email that covers important things taking place in the Progressive Voices Network and throughout the progressive world. Be the first to know of upcoming shows, schedule changes, exclusive programming, and more. Simply go to ProgressiveVoices.com and sign up for our mailing list. It's that easy. 
ProgressiveVoices.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining the Progressive Voices community. Babe, I think we're ready. We're really doing this. Yeah, I'm ready for our family. So where do we start? <laughs> Starting a family is a team effort, and when life needs a little encouragement, Pacific Fertility Center will be right by your side as a unified team of the best fertility specialists guided by the highest ethical standards Pacific Fertility Center provides patients with compassionate fertility care. Visit PacificFertilityCenter.com. This is a true story about two best friends who fell in love and moved across the country to the city by the bay. After many years of dating, Jen and Jacqueline are now planning their dream wedding. It's a big moment in everyone's life when you say I do, especially when you can make choices for your authentic life and your loved ones too. Congratulations, Jen and Jacqueline. Live your authentic life. A special message brought to you by Weatherford BMW. I'm Heclina. I've been doing drag here in San Francisco for almost 20 years. And uh, over the past couple of months, I just opened up my club, Oasis. It's been going really well. People really seem to appreciate the space. It's something people say San Francisco really needs right now because the city has been changing a lot. I always had this attitude of, of opening a space that was kind of like for everybody. And that's just kind of the attitude and the, the, uh, the ethics of Oasis is it's kind of a space for everybody. How does it feel to be a business owner? I don't know, you know, it's funny because I still need, I still have to kind of pinch myself to believe it's actually true, you know what I mean? Like I walk in there and, and I go up to the bar and I go, oh, can I please have a glass of water? You know, it's kind of like, I forget that it's my place. Running gay clubs, it's changed a lot. Um, I think that gay people now, they're everywhere. They don't feel like they have to maybe be in a gay bar all the time, so you have to be much more creative about how you are enticing people to come out to your club. I, I guess I'm successful because I'll just say it, I work really hard at what I do. I also like to provide a really quality experience for people. So yes, you know, people will pay to see my shows and pay to come to my club, but I always like, like to give them something that's worth it. The experience that they'll, they'll leave my shows going, okay, that was worth it, you know what I mean? That's just always been my attitude. Um, just to entertain people and so it seems like that works, you know. I would say to young kids, you know, just kind of form your own identity and, uh, and you know, don't let others dictate how you should behave or think. Uh, you can always go to uh, sfoasis.com to find out about all the entertainment and nightlife that we have going on at Oasis. If you want to see drag, we've got that for you. If you want to see some queer hip-hop parties or queer dance parties, we have that for you. Spotlight on success and achievement. Brought to you by Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. Progressive Voices Network, streaming the best in progressive talk 24-7. Keep the progressive conversation going on on Facebook. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. On the Progressive Voices Facebook page, we update the stories that our hosts like Tom Hartman, Stephanie Miller, Bill Press, and Leslie Marshall will be talking about during their shows. And we share great news, commentaries, opinion pieces, and videos from all over the progressive world. Always progressive, always on. Be part of the progressive conversation. Like us at facebook.com forward slash progressive voices. And now, back to the Michelle Meow Show. 
Welcome back. Thank you so much for uh, thanks so much for joining us here on this Wednesday. Uh, we're taping the show for Wednesday. I'm Michelle Miao, your host. Our guest today is Neil Broverman. He's an executive editor of The Advocate and also a contributing editor to Plus. We're talking about an article he posted to Plus Magazine about a wake-up call. Uh, a couple of, friend, of his friends who were HIV positive had passed away. They were fairly young. And um, right before the break, we met, you know, Neil had mentioned PrEP and we've talked a lot about prep here, especially here in San Francisco. Um, and so Neil, I kind of wanted to get your thoughts. Do you think that this, this pill, some may, might call it the magical pill that, that has been proven effective to decrease your chances of getting infected if you're, you're not in, uh, infected with HIV uh, positive or the virus. Uh, do you think that uh, that will change our sexual behavior within the community? I think so. I think it's it's a phenomenal advancement, and I think it, uh, there was a recent study um, it, that was published in Clinical Infectious Diseases and uh, involves over 600 people in San Francisco, and most of them were gay and bisexual men, uh, anywhere between 20 and 68 years old, and um, they all took PrEP uh, or Truvada, and none of them, um, to my understanding, contracted HIV, though they did contract other STDs, so which shows that they were engaging in, in sex, um, but they still managed to not contract HIV. So I think it's, uh, I mean, the research is showing that it is uh, a really uh, amazing way to combat HIV, especially in uh, populations that are more prone to contract it. So I think it, it, it's almost impossible for it to not change behavior. Uh, I don't think that everyone is going to be going on PrEP. Uh, not everyone is at high risk. Uh, not everyone wants to have, you know, uh, take a daily medication. Um, but I think uh, with the research available, I think it's impossible for it to not change behavior in, in the gay and bi community. I mentioned earlier you're also you know, an editor for The Advocate, and um, you know, Advocate being one of our anchor LGBTQ media outlets that there is out there in the entire world. Um, with having like a magazine like Plus and, and speaking directly to the HIV AIDS community, I mean, I, I don't ever think that there is a time in which we would not have one, even if we found a cure for, for AIDS. What are your thoughts? That we wouldn't have a, a, a publication devoted to HIV? Correct, yeah. Yeah, I, it's hard to imagine. I, I mean, I think that, you know, once, if we ever get to the day where it's eradicated um, completely, uh, possibly, um, but, uh, you know, right now there's so many people, there's millions of people living with it right now. Um, there's no, I don't see the CDC talking about having, you know, Truvada be, be something that, you know, all Americans are required to take or, you know, I don't know how they don't have any sort of vaccine for it. So it's not going away anytime soon. Uh, you know, hopefully one day in our lifetimes we will, we will see that. But um, the, the, the way that science uh, progresses, uh, I, just writing for PLUS for the years that I have, you see how um, painstakingly slow uh, medical advances can be, and there's a reason for that. Obviously, you can't, um, can't rush certain things, but, um, you know, obviously there was a need for speed, uh, for lack of a better term, during when people were dying in the 80s, and there was 
very uh, little movement from the CDC to to address to address it in a in a quick in a, in a speedy manner. Um, but it's 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 something that now now it's it's, it's not moving as fast. Um, and uh, I look forward to the day when it does. I, I don't know if I'll be alive when when HIV is no longer around, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, you know, I think we all hope for that day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And turning our attention now to just the advocate in general. I mean, the advocate, as I said earlier, is just uh, has been one of our anchor, you know, LGBTQ media outlets and was uh, was created during a time when we really didn't have much of anything out there in the world for LGBTQ news. And if you head to the website now, advocate.com, it looks like you've gotten a new uh, facelift. <laughs> yes, we did. Yep, we have a new look on our website. And um, we are approaching the 50th anniversary of the magazine, which launched in 1967, uh, two years before Stonewall. Uh, so we're, we're busy kind of planning what is in store for the for the 50th anniversary, which will be in 2017. Um, but yeah, right now we're we're uh, busy as usual. You know, the Kim Davis story has been has been really big, and I think it's larger than Kim Davis. The whole issue of religious freedom and whether that's going to hamper or hinder um, LGBT rights. I think is something that we're we're paying very close attention to, as well as the 2016 election, and it, we have we have a debate tonight in California. So uh, yeah, I, I think you know the Republican field, none of them, <laughs> none of the candidates now are any friend to to LGBT people. So right. it's something that we uh, obviously will be covering very closely. So I, I got a question for you. I noticed that now you've got a trending uh, tab bar there at the very top. And so those tabs change daily depending on what is trending, right? Um, it, not necessarily daily. Um, Kim Davis has been trending for weeks. Um, so it kind of just depends on what people are talking about. Uh-huh. So I think um, when when the issues change, then the tabs will change. So, um, yeah, that's it's, we kind of just keep it in line with, with what's um, in the national discussion. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, the 50th anniversary is coming up, and, and so I just kind of wonder, I mean, if this started like in 1950... Uh, 67. 67, 1967, um, you know, I... <laughs> Today, I'm sure of it that it's not just LGBTQI or queer people, you know, heading to the website for their their LGBTQI news. I'm sure that it's just a little bit of everybody. But it, can you speak to just kind of the growth of users within the last almost 50 years? Sure. I mean, I, when, when the advocate started, I think it was almost solely geared to gay men. And that has obviously changed. And... and like most things back then, it was, you know, the, the subjects and the pictures were not racially diverse. And so um, it was, you know, I think if you weren't a white gay man, it didn't feel like there was space for you. But obviously times have changed and so has the advocate. There's, um, you know, it became the gay and lesbian publication, I think, don't quote me on this, but I think in the early 90s. So then it, we, we wanted to make a statement that women were part of our mission. And um, so we also have made 
sure to cover the issues of bisexual people, transgender people, um, the issues of, that affect people of color, and I think it's, I think we're all proud of the fact that, that we've become, our coverage has been, become much more expansive. Um, I've been here for 11 years and I've just seen how much it's, it's grown and uh, I think we're, we're really proud of that and, and we know that, that queer people um, come in every shape and size and, and ethnicity and we want, to, we want to provide a resource for them all. This is going to show my, you know, uh, age here and kind of jumped into the whole digital tech bandwagon, but I'm I'm sure of it that, you know, 19 years old, not, you know, only 15 years ago. So uh, I came out, I do remember Advocate having, you know, just being a a magazine. Um, I didn't really use the, the internet much, I guess. Back then, uh, so do do they still come in the form of magazine? Is gonna, I mean, I, I, I'm they so embarrassed do, yeah. to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, we do, we do, we still have a print edition. Um, right now, it comes out, I believe, every other month. I'm I mostly contribute to the to the website as executive edit, editor, um, but it's so it's about six times a year um, the print edition, and um, yeah, so you know, it's it's. There's so much breaking news that it's uh, right. most of it goes online, but I think for print we will try to do more analysis and have have some deeper coverage there. But we certainly on the website have a lot of analysis and and a lot of um, commentaries and and um, op eds and you know we not just we don't just you know shoot out the news of the day. Um, we we you know the next day or two days after we kind of look at the long term effects of of people like Kim Davis or um, Donald Trump um, that so we can kind of get a, a richer sense of of what's happening and not just. Um, take it moment by moment. Sure, sure. I got, uh, you know, last question for you. I mean, I asked about if you think that there would ever be a time we didn't need something like Plus Magazine. Um, and I'll ask the same for, for something like Advocate, which has become like the behemoth of LGBT news. Um, as we head into the next chapter of, of our movement and we achieve equality, do you think that there will ever be a time where we didn't need an LGBTQ specific, you know, uh, news source like Advocate? I can't imagine that because even as we make advances politically and legislatively, our daily lives are really what matter. And until it's one thing to get a law passed or um, for the Supreme Court to narrowly approve marriage equality, but can you still hold your girlfriend or boyfriend's hand on the street without being fearful? Can you still um, be in a state like Mississippi and come out to your boss? Um, even if the law protects you, um, are you going to be free of, of harassment? I mean, it's the day-to-day experience, experiences of being LGBT um, that, um, you know, haven't advanced far enough. And I think, you know, for people, especially people in the South, um, for transgender women everywhere, you know, it's still very hard to be um, accepted by society. And I think it's becoming easier, but it's not easy. Uh, And there's things that affect us very specifically and very differently than heterosexual people. And I don't see that changing um, 
I think our experiences all is, is our lived experiences experience is going to be very um, specific and singular for <laughs> as long as I can see. So I think there'll always be a place for outlets like the Advocate that tell our stories. Neil, thank you so much. Not being told by mainstream media. Right. Right. Neil, thank you so much for saying that, because then I have hopes for <laughs> what we do here on the radio program. But thank you so much for joining us here on the show. And please come back again. Sure. Thanks for having me. Follow Neil and uh, get all the scoop on his work. Again, he's the executive editor of The Advocate and also a contributing editor to Plus. So follow him on Twitter at N Broverman. Thank you so much for joining us here today on this hump day, Wednesday. We'll be back tomorrow at the same time, 4 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. For everything else, head to michellemeow.com. See you later.